Chapter Eleven, Part Two of Miss Mapp. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jane Greensmith. Miss Mapp by E. F. Benson. Chapter Eleven, Part Two. Suddenly, Miss Mapp began to feel less sure that Major Benjy must be of the party. The Contessa charming though she was had said several very topical italian things to him she had told him that she would stop here for ever if the men fought duels about her she had said you dear darling to him at bridge when as adversary he failed to trump her losing card and she had asked him to ask her to tea with no one else for i have a great deal to say to you when the general macedoine of sables our reservoirs and thanks for such a nice evening took place in the hall Miss Mapp was not, in fact, sure when she thought it over that the Contessa was a nice friend for Major Benjy. She did not do him the injustice of imagining that he would ask her to tea alone. The very suggestion proved that it must be a piece of the Contessa's southern extravagance of expression. But, after all, thought Miss Mapp to herself, as she writhed at the idea, her other extravagant expressions were proved to cover a good deal of truth. In fact, the Major's chances of being asked to the select bridge party diminished swiftly towards a vanishing point. It was time, and indeed late, to set forth on morning marketings, and Miss Mapp had already determined not to carry her capacious basket with her today, in case of meeting the Contessa in the High Street. It would be grander and wisier and more magnificent to go basketless, and direct that the goods should be sent up rather than run the risk of encountering the Contessa, with a basket containing a couple of mutton cutlets, a ball of wool, and some tooth-powder. So she put on her Prince of Wales cloak, and, postponing further reflection over the bridge-party till a less busy occasion, set forth an unencumbered gentility for the morning gossip. At the corner of the high street she ran into Diva. "'News!' said Diva. "'Met Mr. Weiss just now, engaged to Susan. "'All over the town by now, everybody knows. "'Oh, there's the Padre for the first time!' "'She shot across the street, and Miss Mapp, "'shaking the dust of Diva off her feet, "'proceeded on her chagrined way. "'Annoyed as she was with Diva, "'she was almost more annoyed with Susan. "'After all she had done for Susan, "'Susan ought to have told her long ago, "'pledging her to secrecy.' But to be told like this by that common diva, without any secrecy at all, was an affront that she would find it hard to forgive Susan for. She mentally reduced by half the sum that she had determined to squander on Susan's wedding present. It should be plated, not silver, and if Susan was not careful, it shouldn't be plated at all. She had just come out of the chemist's after an indignant interview about precipitated chalk he had deposited the small packet on the counter when she asked to have it sent up to her house he could not undertake to deliver small packages she left the precipitated chalk lying there emerging she heard a loud foreign sort of scream from close at hand there was the contessa all by herself carrying a marketing basket of unusual size and newness it contained a bloody steak and a crab but where is your basket miss mapp she exclaimed algernon told me that all the great ladies of tilling went marketing in the morning with big baskets and if i aspire to be du monde i must have my basket too it is the greatest fun and i have already written to cecco to say i am just going marketing with my basket look the steak is for figgis and the crab is for algernon and me if 
Figgis does not get it. But why are you not du monde? Are you du demi monde, Miss Mapp? She gave a croak of laughter and tickled the crab. Will he eat the steak, do you think? She went on. Is he not lively? I went to the shop of Mr. Hopkins, who was not there, because he was engaged with Miss Coles. And was that not Miss Coles last night at my brother's, the one who spat in the fire when nobody but I was looking? You are enchanting at tilling. What is Mr. Hopkins doing with Miss Coles? Do they kiss? But your market basket, that disappoints me, for Algernon said you had the biggest market basket of all. I bought the biggest I could find. Is it as big as yours? Mrs. Mapp's head was in a whirl. The Contessa said in the loudest possible voice all that everybody else only whispered. She displayed in her basket all that everybody else covered up with thick layers of paper. If Miss Mapp had only guessed that the Contessa would have a market basket, she would have paraded the high street with a leg of mutton protruding from one end and a pair of Wellington boots from the other. But who could have suspected that a Contessa? Black thoughts succeeded. Was it possible that Mr. Weiss had been satirical about the affairs of Tilling? If so, she wished him nothing worse than to be married to Susan. But a playful face must be put for the moment on the situation. Too lovely of you, dear Contessa, she said. May we go marketing together? tomorrow and we will measure the size of our baskets such fun i have too laughing at the dear people in tilling but what thrilling news this morning about our sweet susan and your dear brother though of course i knew it long ago indeed how was that said the contessa quite sharply miss mapp was nettled at her tone oh you must allow me two eyes she said since it was merely tedious to explain how she had seen them from behind a curtain kissing in the garden just two eyes and a nose for scent remarked the contessa very genially this was certainly coarse though probably italian miss mapp's opinion of the contessa fluctuated violently like a barometer before a storm and indicated changeable dear susan is such an intimate friend she said the Contessa looked at her very fixedly for a moment, and then appeared to dismiss the matter. "'My crab, my steak,' she said. "'And where does your nice captain—no, Major Flint live? I have a note to leave on him, for he has asked me to tea all alone to see his tiger-skins. He is going to be my flirt while I am in Tilling, and when I go he will break his heart, but I will have told him who can mend it again.' "'Dear Major Benji,' said Miss Mapp, at her wit's end to know how to deal with so feather-tongued a lady. What a treat it will be to him to have you to tea. Today, is it? The Contessa quite distinctly winked behind her eyeglass, which she had put up to look at Diva, who whirled by on the other side of the street. And if I said today, she remarked, you would. What is that that one says? She indicated Diva. Yes, you would pop in, and the good Major would pay no attention to me. So, tell you i shall go to-day you will know that it is a lie you clever miss mapp and so you will go to tea with him to-morrow and find me there bennett now where is his house this was a sort of scheming that had never entered into miss mapp's life and she saw with pain how shallow she had been all these years often and often she had when inquisitive questions were put her answered them without any strict subservience to truth but never had she thought of confusing the issues like this. 
If she told Diva a lie, Diva probably guessed it was a lie and acted accordingly. But she had never thought of making it practically impossible to tell whether it was a lie or not. She had no more idea when she walked back along the high street with the Contessa swinging her basket by her side whether that lady was going to tea with Major Benji today or tomorrow or when than she knew whether the crab was going to eat the beefsteak. There's his house, she said, as they paused at the dentist's corner. And there's mine next to it, with the little bow window of my garden room looking out onto the street. I hope to welcome you there, dear Contessa, for a tiny game of bridge and some tea one of these days very soon. What day do you think? Tomorrow? Then she would know if the Contessa was going to tea with Major Benji tomorrow. Unfortunately, the Contessa appeared to know that she would know it, too. My flirt, she said. Perhaps I may be having tea with my flirt tomorrow better anything than that. I will ask him, too, to meet you, said Miss Mapp, feeling in some awful and helpless way that she was playing her adversary's game. Adversary? Did she say that to herself? She did. The inscrutable Contessa was up to that, too. I will not amalgamate my treats, she said. So that is his house. What a charming house! How my heart flutters as I ring the bell! Miss Mapp was now quite distraught. There was the possibility that the Contessa might tell Major Benji that it was time he married. But on the other hand, she was making arrangements to go to tea with him on an unknown date, and the hero of amorous adventures in India and elsewhere might lose his heart again to somebody quite different from one whom he could hope to marry. By daylight, the dear Contessa was undeniably plain that was something. But in these short days, tea would be conducted by artificial light. And by artificial light, she was not so like a rabbit. What was worse was that by any light, she had a liveliness which might be mistaken for wit, and a flattering manner which might be taken for sincerity. She hoped men were not so easily duped as that, and was sadly afraid that they were blind fools. The number of visits that Miss Mapp made about tea-time in this week before Christmas to the post-box at the corner of the high street, with an envelope in her hand containing Mr. Hopkins's bill for fish and a postal order enclosed, baffles computation. Naturally, she did not intend, either by day or night, to risk being found again with a blank, unstamped envelope in her hand, and the one enclosing Mr. Hopkins's bill and the postal order would have passed scrutiny for correctness anywhere. But fair and calm as was the exterior of that envelope, none could tell how agitated was the hand that carried it backwards and forwards until the edges got crumpled and the inscription clouded with much fingering. Indeed, of all the tricks that Miss Mapp had compassed for others, none was so sumptuously contrived as that in which she had now entangled herself. For these December days were dark and in consequence not only would the Contessa be looking her best, such as it was, at tea-time, but from Miss Mapp's window it was impossible to tell whether she had gone to tea with him on any particular afternoon, for there had been a strike at the gas-works and the lamp at the corner, which, in happier days, would have told all, told nothing whatever. Miss Mapp must therefore trudge to the letter-box with Mr. Hopkins' bill in her hand as she went out, and— after a feint of posting it, with it in her pocket as she came back, in order to gather from the light in the windows, from the sound of conversation that would be audible as she passed close beneath them, whether the Major was having tea there or not, and with whom. 
she should hear that ringing laugh which had sounded so pleasant when she revoked but now was so sinister she had quite determined to go in and borrow a book or a tiger skin anything the major could scarcely fail to ask her to tea and once there wild horses should not drag her away until she had outstayed the other visitor then as her malady of jealousy grew more feverish she began to perceive as by the ray of some dreadful dawn that lights in the major's room and sounds of elfin laughter were not completely trustworthy as proofs that the contessa was there it was possible awfully possible that the two might be sitting in the firelight that voices might be hushed to amorous whisperings that pregnant smiles might be taking the place of laughter on one such afternoon as she came back from the letter-box with patient mr hopkins's overdue bill in her pocket a wild certainty seized her when she saw how closely the curtains were drawn and how still it seemed inside his room that firelight dalliance was going on she rang the bell and imagined she heard whisperings inside while it was being answered presently the light went up in the hall and the major's mrs dominic opened the door the major's in i think isn't he mrs dominic said miss mapp in her most insinuating tones no miss out said dominic uncompromisingly miss mapp wondered if dominic drank dear me how tiresome when he told me said she with playful annoyance would you be so kind mrs dominic and just see for certain that he is not in his room he may have come in no miss he's out said dominic with the parrot-like utterance of the determined liar any message miss mapp turned away more certain than ever that he was in and immersed in dalliance she would have continued to be quite certain about it had she not glancing distractedly down the street caught sight of him coming up with captain puffin meantime she had twice attempted to get up a cosy little party of four so as not to frighten the contessa to play bridge from tea till dinner and on both occasions the fara didlioni for so she had become was most unfortunately engaged but the second of these disappointing replies contained the hope that they would meet at their marketings to-morrow and though miss mapp was really getting very tired with these innumerable visits to the post-box whether wet or fine she sent forth next morning with the hopes anyhow of finding out whether the contessa had been to tea with major flint or on what day she was going there she was just opposite the post-office and there oh shame was major benjy on his way to the tram in light-hearted conversation with her it was a slight consolation that captain puffin was there too miss mapp quickened her steps to a little tripping run dear contessa so sorry i am late she said such a lot of little things to do this morning major benjy captain puffin oh how naughty of you to have begun your shopping without me only been to the grocer's said the contessa major benjy has been so amusing that i haven't got on with my shopping at all i have written to checko to say that there is no one so witty major benjy miss mapp bitterly remembering how long it had taken her to arrive at that and witty she had not arrived at that yet no indeed said the major it was the contessa miss mapp who has been so entertaining i'm sure she would be said miss mapp with an enormous smile and oh major benjy you'll miss your tram unless you hurry and get no golf at all and then be vexed with us for keeping you you men always blame us poor women 
"'Well, upon my word, what's a game of golf compared with the pleasure of being with the ladies?' asked the Major, with a great fat bow. "'I want to catch that tram,' said Puffin, quite distinctly, and Miss Mapp found herself more nearly forgetting his inebriated insults than ever before. "'You poor Captain Puffin,' said the Contessa, "'you shall catch it. Be off, both of you, at once. I will not say another word to either of you. I will never forgive you if you miss it. But tomorrow afternoon, Major Benji!' He turned round to bow again, and a bicycle, luckily, for the rider, going very slowly, butted softly into him behind. "'Not hurt?' called the Contessa. "'Good. I, Miss Mapp, let us get to our shopping. How well you manage those men! How right you are about them! They want their golf before they want us. Whatever they may say, they would hate us if we kept them from their golf.' So sorry not to have been able to play bridge with you yesterday, but an engagement. What a busy place Tilling is, let me see. Where is the list of things that Figgis told me to buy? That Figgis. A roller towel for his pantry, and some blacking for his boots, and some flannel, I suppose, for his fat stomach. It is all for Figgis. And there is that swift Mrs. Plaistow. She comes like a train with a red light in her face and wheels and whistlings. She talks like a telegram. Good morning, Mrs. Plaistow. Enjoyed my game of bridge, Contessa, panted Diva. Delightful game of bridge yesterday. The Contessa seemed in rather a hurry to reply, but long before she could get a word out, Miss Mapp felt she knew what had happened. So pleased, said the Contessa quickly. And now for Figgis's towels, Miss Mapp. Ten and sixpence apiece, he says. What a price to give for a towel. But I learn housekeeping like this, and Cheka will delight in all the economies I shall make. Quick, to the drapers, lest there should be no towels left. In spite of Figgis's list, the Contessa's shopping was soon over, and Miss Mapp, having seen her as far as the corner, walked on, as if, to her own house, in order to give her time to get to Mr. Weiss's, and then fled back to the high street. The suspense was unbearable. She had to know, without delay, when and where Diva and the Contessa had played bridge yesterday. Never had her eye so rapidly scanned the movement of passengers in that entrancing thoroughfare in order to pick Diva out, and learn from her precisely what had happened. There she was, coming out of the dyers with her basket completely filled by a bulky package, which it needed no ingenuity to identify as the late Crimson Lake. She would have to be pleasant with Diva, for much as that perfidious woman might enjoy telling her where this furtive bridge party had taken place, she might enjoy even more torturing her with uncertainty. Diva could, if put to it, give no answer whatever to a direct question, but, skilfully changing the subject, talk about something utterly different. "'The Crimson Lake,' said Miss Mapp, pointing to the basket. "'Hope it will turn out well, dear.' There was a rather wicked light in Diva's eyes. Not Crimson Lake, she said. Jet Black. Sweet of you to have it dyed again, dear Diva, said Miss Mapp. Not very expensive, I trust. Send the bill in to you if you like, said Diva. Miss Mapp laughed very pleasantly. That would be a good joke, she said. How nice it is that the dear Contessa takes so warmly to our tilling ways. So amusing she was about the commissions Figgis had given her but a wee bit satirical do you think this ought to put diva in a good temper for there was nothing she liked so much as a few little dabs at somebody else diva was not very good-natured she is rather satirical said diva 
Oh, tell me some of her amusing little speeches, said Miss Mapp enthusiastically. I can't always follow her, but you are so quick. A little coarse, too, at times, isn't she? But what she said the other night when she was playing patience about the queens and kings wasn't quite, um, was it, at the toothpick? Yes, toothpick, said Diva. Perhaps she has bad breath, said Miss Mapp. It runs in families, and Mr. Weiss's, you know, we're very lucky, you and I. Diva maintained a complete silence, and they had now come nearly as far as her door. If she would not give the information that she knew Miss Mapp longed for, she must be asked for it, with uncertain hope that she would give it then. "'Been playing bridge lately, dear?' asked Miss Mapp. "'Quite lately,' said Diva. "'I thought I heard you say something about it to the Contessa. "'Yesterday, was it? Whom did you play with?' Diva paused and when they had come quite to her door, made up her mind. Contessa, Susan, Mr. Weiss, me, she said. But I thought she never played with Mr. Weiss, said Miss Mapp. Had to get a four, said Diva. Contessa wanted her bridge, nobody else. She popped into her house. There is no use describing Miss Mapp's state of mind, except by saying that for the moment she quite forgot that the Contessa was almost certainly going to tea with Major Benji tomorrow. End of chapter 11. Recording by Jane Greensmith of janegs.com.